The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. My name is Brad Gill, and my wife's name is Christine, and we um, have recently moved about a year and a half ago from Lafayette, where we lived for a while. Lafayette is actually my hometown, and I was on staff there at First Baptist Lafayette. And then um, about a year and a half ago, we moved to Alexandria for me to be the Baptist Collegiate Ministry Director at Louisiana Christian University. You may know it as Louisiana College, LC. How many of you possibly went to LC in the past, or did you? Okay, maybe a concert or an event. I always tell people, you know, it's hard to get over a new name change, right? But they received two upgrades. The first one is they went from a college to a university, which they already were, but just not by name. And then they became Christians. So that was nice. You know, instead of, instead of just being a Louisiana college, they became Christians. So that, that's always good. It doesn't bother me at all because I wasn't connected to, to LC in the past, but Maybe you attended LC or have a lot of connections to it in the past, and sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to get past the name change, right? Well, my wife also is on staff with Louisiana Baptist Convention, and she is involved with women's ministry. She's a strategist for the state, so she travels and she goes around and um, helps churches with women's ministry, and she's not here today, so I apologize for that. It would be much more beautiful if, if, uh, if she were here. So that's my big compliment uh, to, to her. If, uh, if next time you see her, make sure you, you let her know that I complimented her well. Well, I'm involved right now. One of the things I'm doing this summer is, unfortunately, I don't have the summer off. Um, the students are not in school, but I am heavily involved in what's called GOLA Summer missions. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but GOLA is Go Louisiana. That's our Baptist Collegiate Ministry students who are going all over the state, helping out small churches to do vacation Bible school, just like this. And so all these things that you're doing right now is what our group is doing right now in Franklinton, Louisiana. Um, they were in in Bunky and all sorts of little, like small, small towns. Bunky was a little bit big, but a lot of small towns around the state, and they are are helping those churches spread the gospel and reach their community for Christ. So that's a little bit about me. Uh, we have two children, um, and I'm starting to feel a little old because my daughter got married. And she became a school teacher. She's been teaching two years now. She's moving from Lafayette to Houghton, Houghton outside of Shreveport. And her husband is involved with ministry, and so he's full-time. So it's strange to have children who are not just out of the house, but they're really launching and relocating. And then uh, my son, you know, the only way we could get him out of the house was for us to move. Out of, you know, we said, we said we're moving, so you got to find a place to live. But he, he's been working at uh, State Farm in Lafayette for three years. Then when he graduated, he became full-time. So he's been full-time for about a month, and it's starting to make me feel old. Like, I don't live next to my kids. 
Um, they're launching, they're changing, they're graduating, getting married, oh, all these different things. It's, it's one of those big things in life that makes you ask big questions, right? Big question like, what is life all about? Have you ever asked one of those big questions? Before I start, by the way, do I need to turn this timer over? <laughs> Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll let someone else be in charge of that. Well, maybe you've asked those big questions in life. doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. Ultimately, you're going to ask one of those big questions, which is, what is life all about? What is really important in life? So if you want to write that down as a title, what is really important in life is a question that we're going to ask and allow Jesus to respond to you today, and it's in John chapter 6 is where we're going to be. John chapter 6. Jesus answers the question for us in John chapter 6, verse 27, when he says this. Don't toil for the food that perishes, but for food that lasts for eternal life. Don't work for food that perishes, but work for food that lasts or endures. And then he goes on to say, this is what God wants, for you to believe in the one he sent. So in John chapter 6, if we look back just a little bit before this, I've, I've recently become very consumed with this passage because it's so deep. There's so many things in it. And it's one of those things, uh, as a communicator, you'd love to just tell everything about it. But unfortunately, the timer is going, and I don't have all that time to be be able to share it all, but what can we learn from this passage about what is really important? Before this passage in John chapter 6, we know that Jesus performed at least five miracles. We know that he had already performed the feeding of the 5,000, and Jesus fed the people, and they wanted to make him king as a result of that. And that was in verse 15, which we didn't read, but just before that, he fed the people, and then the, the people loved it. They enjoyed it so much, they were full, and they wanted to make him king. This is the prophet, they said. And even before that, even before Jesus fed them and he withdrew to a mountain, we know that he had healed an official son from a distance. Not even there, not even touching him directly, but from a distance. He had healed a a man who was lame for 38 years. He told the woman at the well all about her life and revealed himself as the Messiah who could give water springing up to eternal life. Also, that was in chapter 4. And then she ran and she told all of her friends, she told all the Samaritans that this truly is the Messiah. So those are just some of the things That happened before this. And why did Jesus do those miracles? Why would anyone want to do something like that? Well, Jesus performed those miracles to be able to prove that he is God. A claim that he gives in this passage in just a minute. He did it to get their attention. If I came up here and started to juggle. Okay, I don't know if you know how to juggle. I actually know how to juggle, believe it or not. Oh, I don't see anything I can juggle with. But uh, if, I, if I had something to juggle, I might impress you for a moment, right? 
until I dropped it. Okay? That wouldn't be very impressive for me to do something small like that. That's not a miracle. Okay? That's not even entertaining, except for the fact that we can laugh at me when I drop it. Jesus did it to get people's attention and to show that he had a message which is in line with the Old Testament prophets. How did they respond? Two responses. One response from the Samaritans, one response from the Jews. The Samaritans, as I said before, listened to the lady's testimony. She ran and testified, saying Jesus is the Messiah. And many of them believed. But if I, if I read a passage in John chapter 4, It says that Jesus stayed with them upon their invitation. Jesus stayed with them for two days. Not only did they believe, but here's what they said. The Samaritans said, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and we know that this really is the Savior of the world. The Samaritans believed. They believed in the the woman's testimony And they listened to Jesus. They believed in Jesus. What the Samaritans believed, surely the Jews would believe, right? Because Jesus, that was his own people. And yet we see in this passage in a minute, we're going to see that they were distracted by the temporary. The temporary. We get distracted by the temporary, don't we? What are some things that... We love to do some things like uh, even as something as small as maybe what we eat, right? Do, do we cook food all the time or go through the effort of preparing a meal and go through all that effort? We, that's the best kind of meal after all, isn't it? But we don't do that. We, we do a little fast food or we do a little frozen meal in the microwave. So practically, we like the temporary things. But Jesus says, spiritually speaking, don't work for food that will spoil, but food that will last. It's an analogy. What does that mean? What does that mean to us? I know when I was a kid, when I was growing up, I would get in trouble most of the time when I took that shortcut. When I tried to get something that was temporary, something that I really, really wanted right then and there but not what I really needed. Same thing with this crowd. This crowd in John chapter 6, we're about to read this passage. This crowd had been fed by Jesus. They wanted to make him king. Jesus withdraws on the mountain, meets his disciples. When he meets his disciples, by the way, that's when he walked on water. And it was stormy. And a little-known miracle or a little-discussed miracle took place right then and there. If you look at it in this passage, immediately when he entered the boat, they were on shore. Jesus transported that boat. That's pretty crazy, isn't it, for us to think about it? But in John chapter 6, it talks about Jesus entering the boat, and then suddenly, immediately, they were on shore. Jesus was with his disciples, and this crowd decides, let's look for Jesus. Maybe they were saying, let's look for more of that food to eat, right? So verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? 
And Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set His seal of approval on Him. Let's pray, and then we'll read the rest of this passage. Father God, thank You for this morning. Thank You for this congregation who's here to say, we want to honor You. We want to raise You above all things. We want to set everything aside and to be able to say, Lord God, work in our hearts, work in our lives. We surrender to You, and I pray that You would do what You will with each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm picking up, and I'm going to read this passage, so hang hang in there with me. I'll try to read kind of quickly, and you follow along, and we're going to read the passage and then look at what we can learn about what really is important in life. Verse 28, the people said, what can we do to perform the works of God, they asked. Jesus replied, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. What sign then are you going to do that we may see and believe you, they asked. What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, just as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said, Sir, give us this bread always. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one comes to me will ever go hungry. No one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you have seen me, yet you do not believe me. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose no, none of them that God has given to me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life and will raise Him up in the last days. We see that the Samaritans believe. They spent time with Jesus. They believe that He was the Messiah. Yet the people didn't respond in that way. They were distracted by the temporary. What kind of temporary things were they? If you're taking notes, you can write this. Number one, they wanted a temporary fix. They wanted a temporary fix. Jesus acknowledged this in his own answer when he was saying, you found me, but it's not me you're looking for. It's because I fed you in verse 27. He says, I fed you the loaves. That's why you're looking for me. They wanted Jesus to fix their problems. Give us more bread. Give us those loaves to eat. Let us be filled again. Especially if we don't have to pay for it. (laughs) They wanted a temporary fix. It's like they were saying, Jesus, that bread was awesome the other day and we want more. We're getting hungry and we need you to come through for us. Fix the problem we have right now. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I'm, I'm wondering in this congregation, 
do you have a problem that you would like God to fix? I'm sure if you think about it, there is at least something that's gnawing on you, nagging at you. And for others, you're saying, I don't have to think very much at all. It's right there in my mind. There's a huge problem, and I need God to fix it. But that's not the kind of problem we're talking about. We're talking about a temporary fix. We're talking about using Jesus. You know, we do that a lot of times in our lives. We say, oh, God, I'm in trouble. I, haven't, I know I haven't really spent much time with you lately, but I need you to come through for me. I need a temporary fix. I need you to solve this temporary problem right here and now. You would think that God would just kind of smack us in our face a little bit and say and dismiss us. And yet, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and incomprehensible things that you do not know. God doesn't reject us when we come even boldly asking Him to work in our lives. Especially when you think of things like Joel 4.32, which Paul quotes later on in the New Testament in Romans, simply says this, Call to me. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen? There's no restrictions there. There's, there's no limitations is, is there. These people wanted a temporary fix, and yet God was willing and is willing for us to come to Him at any point if we would simply call to Him. But that doesn't seem to be what they wanted. Jesus says, seek food that lasts. They wanted a temporary fix. The other thing they wanted, if you read in verse 28, is that they wanted a temporary feeling temporary feeling. What am I talking about? Verse 28 says, what can we do, the people said, what can we do to perform the works of God? Have you ever tried to work for God? Have you ever tried to do something for God? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Are we trying to earn God's love? Are we trying to be accepted by God? Are we trying to possibly let our good outweigh the bad? Why do we do those things? A lot of times we do things for God, don't we? We do things for God. And these people said, hey, if you're not going to give us a quick fix, well then, hey, what can we do to feel good about ourselves? What motions can we go through? What activity can we go through? What moral goodness can we give in order to feel good about ourselves? Because that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to feel good about doing something for God. You know, we can sometimes do that. We can replace our good behavior instead of having a right relationship with God. A right relationship with God means that we put God first and we do the good things afterwards. We follow God and we're obedient. Good, being a good person alone misses the mark. Because being a good person puts us on the throne. It's as if we say, I can earn my way to heaven. It's as if I can say, which 
have a lot of friends in South Louisiana who are very religious, and they like to answer a question of how do you think you can get to heaven? And the answer is, I'm just trying to be a good person. Is that something that happens in Manny, Louisiana? Do, do people try to be good, good people, maybe even religious people? It's one thing to have that religious feeling, but you have to have true faith. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says what? It is by grace you are saved through faith, and this not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Let me ask you this morning, are you trying to use Jesus to feel better about yourself? To feel good for the moment? Are you willing to give complete surrender to Him? Food that lasts. We need to seek food that lasts. Third thing you see here is that they wanted a temporary focus. A temporary fix. Temporary feeling. Third thing, a temporary focus. Verse 37 says, Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. They wanted the benefits of Jesus, but apparently they didn't believe. Verse 36 says, As I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. Remember, the Samaritans spent time with Jesus, and they believed. These people were spending time with Jesus, seeing His miracles, and yet not believing. He says, you do not believe. Apparently, they wanted the perks of Jesus instead of the person of Jesus. Apparently, they were willing to acknowledge Him as the prophet and even make Him the king, as earlier indicated, But they weren't able to because he slipped through them. He disappeared. He withdrew from them. They wanted to make him... They they saw his power. They wanted to make him king, but they didn't want to make him lord of their lives. You see how easy it is sometimes for us to misplace some things? How How easy it is to put religious practice instead of a relationship with God? They forgot these words which they would have heard before and and known from Hosea chapter 10, verse 12 says, It is time to seek the Lord until He comes and sends righteousness on you like the rain. Seek food that lasts. See, their temporary focus really serves as as a note of caution to us as a church and as the church universal. What is it? passage we haven't read yet, but I'm going to go through it real quickly. Verse 41. What did these people do? By the way, where did they find Jesus? If you look at the end, you will see that they found, verse 59 says, he said these things while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Where did they find Jesus? They found him in the synagogue. They found him in the church, you might say. 
So it's like we can apply this to us as churchgoers. And I know you're all churchgoers, good, good churchgoers, because you're all like as far away from me as possible. You know, if you. Okay. All right. We all know that. But what do we learn? What do we learn about a note of caution here? Verse 41. What did they do? How did they respond to Jesus? Verse 41 says they complained about Jesus. Remember, they were in the synagogue. That would be like us in a church setting. And what did they do? They complained about what Jesus was saying. Hey, it's a good thing we don't do that, right? In church, we don't. We don't do that, right? We don't complain about anything, okay? About how the way things are going or music or anything like that. You know, good thing we don't have that problem, right? They complained about Jesus. Verse 52, skim through, says, At that Jesus, the Jews argued amongst amongst themselves. Among themselves. They argued. They complained. And they argued among themselves. Hey, church, good thing we don't deal with that at all, right? We don't argue among ourselves, do we? No. Y'all aren't smiling anymore. Why is that? We do that from time to time. We complain. We argue. Verse 66 says, From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. They rejected Jesus. They complained. They argued. And they got to the point where they rejected Jesus. They said, we're not going to follow him anymore. It was too difficult. Good thing we've never done that, right? I'm sure all of us would say, I don't, I've never rejected Jesus. But let's, let's really think about it. You know what? Every time we sin, practically speaking, we're rejecting Jesus, aren't we? We, we reject Jesus, but thank the Lord. He is victorious and He has a plan for us to redeem us, to rescue us, and to restore us every time we sin, right? He is faithful, Scripture says. Anytime we sin, we can do what? Confess that sin, and He is faithful and just to forgive us from all unrighteousness. You know, as a church, this church, not the church universal, but this church, Can we pull something out of that? Let's make sure that complaining doesn't exist. Let's make sure that arguing is squelched. Let's make sure that rejecting Jesus in any form or fashion in our personal lives or as a church, let's make sure we put that aside. Okay? In reality, we want Jesus to be Lord over every aspect of our lives. So what is God's redemptive plan in this that we've read already? We saw the people were looking for something temporary, right? Temporary fix, temporary feeling. They were focused on the wrong thing, a temporary focus. But what is God's redemptive plan here? The first one I want to give to you is that Jesus is the bread of life. He uses one of those I am statements. I am referring to the great I am. Remember that when Moses said, uh, who do you, okay, who should I say is sending me? Trying to understand fully who God was. And God said what? Tell him that I am sent you. What is I am? 
I am is who was, who is, who forever will be. And Jesus says, I am. I am what? I am bread. They just ate bread. Is he saying, I'm literally the bread you just ate? No, that's not what he was saying. He was saying, figuratively, I give life. I give life. And that's why he said earlier, seek food that lasts, not food that spoils. So, what is God's redemptive plan here? First one, Jesus is the bread of life. Let's turn to him daily as our provider and our sustainer because he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Practically speaking, you need to answer that for yourself. How can I seek Jesus every day? How can I turn daily to the Lord as the bread of life? Well, the second thing, as far as God's redemptive plan, is that Jesus offers eternal life. He offers eternal life if we would but believe in Him. This morning, I want to challenge you to embrace a surrendered, changed, new life in Christ and to be able to share that message with others. Maybe it's with a child at VBS. Maybe it's with a family member that you've been meaning to talk to about your faith, about new life in Christ. Whoever it is, Jesus offers eternal life. Let's share it with others. The third thing is God's redemptive plan is Jesus changes our lives. Jesus changes our lives. Let's never go back to where we were. If you look at the passage, you see many of the, of the Jewish people rejected Jesus and their lives were not changed. But the Samaritans said, we have heard, we believe, and now we ourselves believe because we spent time with Jesus. Jesus changes lives. Even though those people rejected Jesus, the story doesn't end there. Praise God, it doesn't end there. Because that would be very depressing for me to share a story about all these ways that the people rejected Jesus because Jesus turns to His disciples and says, do you now want to leave? Do you want to leave too? It looks like a lot of, I say all the people, it looks like a lot of other people left. What about you? Do you want to leave too? And look at what Simon Peter answered. Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. That sounds a lot like what happened in the Samaritan's life. It was a changed life. Peter is acknowledging we've been changed and there's no going back. In fact, practically, where would we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. Let me ask you this morning as we close... Do you believe and know that Jesus is Lord? I think it's one of those things we can grow up in church and feel like we are a Christian because maybe we've been a churchgoer all of our lives. But have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus and allowed Him to change you from the inside out? I bet... A lot of you have. 
But maybe this morning is a time where you say, the longest day of the year the other day. Today is one of those long days. VBS is happening right now. I'm going to do a spiritual reset today. Today's going to be a day of spiritual reset for me. I'm already a believer, but I'm going to surrender my life, every aspect of it, practically to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Maybe a response this morning would even be that you pray together as a couple or as a cluster or as a family or just as an individual or even you want to come here during our time of invitation and you want to pray. I, know, I don't know how this church is, but a lot of churches that I go to are a little smaller than yours. There aren't quite as many people. And there's not a whole lot of movement at the time of invitation. And it's because people are too worried about what other people are thinking. But with that in mind, I want to ask you, has God's word spoken to you today? Has it generated something in your heart to ask yourself, what kind of food am I seeking? Jesus says he wants us to believe in him, to put him number one in our lives. What's really important? It's food that lasts. And only Jesus has it. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we pray and thank you for your word, for your redemptive plan, for coming into our world, your world that you created, but coming into it as a, as a man and, a, and God at the same time. To be able to offer yourself as a sacrifice for us. If there's anyone here who needs to receive you as their Lord for the very first time to say, I need change in my life. I need eternal life through Jesus Christ. I pray that they would do that now. Or if someone needs to come this morning and just pray a prayer of repentance quietly, right where they are, or even here at these steps, to make this a time of worship at this altar God, I pray that people would move even today. I pray that even this morning, as this church goes into VBS, that this church, the hearts of many people would change and would gravitate to the will of the Father. Whatever it means, I pray that we would respond to you in an obedient way. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in our hearts, in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask that you would, you stand now for a time that we would have a time of invitation. As I said, I I will be up here in the front. If there's any other deacon or spiritual leader who wants to come forward as well, if you want to pray with anybody, I would ask that you go ahead and do that. Respond as God leads you today. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.